Welcome to the Movie Planet Season 5, Episode 17. This week we are talking about 1981's Mad Max 2, The Road Warrior. With Joe. Pugh had a contract, it was with him. And he died with him. And Sam. The Lord Humongous. The Warrior of the Wasteland. Welcome to the Movie Planet. Joining me is the Mad Max to my humongous, which is ironic, Sam. Ah. <laughs> How are you, humongous? Oh, just flexing. <laughs> just flexing. Getting my titty popping skills ready. I would, you know, I heard a rumor uh, when I was reading through all the stuff about this that these are not implants; these are all natural. Oh, oh, fantastic! Wow, Thank you me. really work out well. Thank you. Yes, I uh, I heard that they were toying with the idea of humongous being goose from the first movie. No, that'd have been dope. Don't know how. I, I mean, it would have been a nice tie-in. A nice little tie-in of like, I mean, dude got torched, lost his mind. Yeah, said Fuck you. It would make sense with the hairstyle he's got going on. Those little strands oh, yeah, that are flying strands. out. Good lord, <laughs> so ratty. Well, if you don't know, this week Sam has nominated the Mad Max franchise, starting with the Mad Max Two: The Road Warrior from 1981 for the action adventure movie Pantheon, a movie made for 4.5 million dollars, which is about four million more than he got for the first movie. Phew. Uh, that brought in 23.6 million worldwide. Not as good as Mad Max, but. Still a success. Yeah, I don't understand why it made less. Unless it wasn't released in certain territories, which is a possibility. It's possible. There was some uh, some scenes that I would dupe um, graphic yeah. for that time. Australia had an issue with it, and that's their home country <laughs> <Yeah>. right there. <laughs> Written by Terry Hayes, George Miller, and Brian Hannon. Directed by George Miller. Music by Brian May. No, again, not that Brian May, the Australian one. Starring Mel Gibson as Max. Bruce Spence as the trainman. I mean, the gyro captain. Michael Preston as Papa Gallo. Max Phipps as the toady. Vernon Wells as Wes. Keon Yosin as the humongous. Emil Minty as the feral kid. Virginia Hay as Xena, Warrior Woman. <laughs> William Zappa, not Zapka, as Zeta. And Arky Whitley as the captain's girl. And Joanne Samuel reprising her role in archival footage at the very beginning. She did get a credit in this. Hey! Yeah, she good did. Good for you, Joan. Uh, yeah, she did what Michael Bean could not do in Alien 3, which is get a credit for having his, his face on there. The action-adventure film movie Pantheon consists of seven and only seven films. Currently, the films in the preserve are... A lot of diehards. Okay, we got Die Hard with an A minus at number one. Die Hard with a Vengeance with a B plus at number two. Live Free or Die Hard with a B plus at number three. Peter Jackson's King Kong breaking up the diehards with a B minus at number four. Point Break with Keanu Reeves with a C plus at number five. Mad Max from 1979 with a D plus at number six. And Die Hard 2. I hope you enjoyed your time staying in there because I got a feeling you gone today, brother. Can I nominate the Indiana Jones movie so we can get these diehards out of here? Uh, Steve wants to do the indie movies. So, so yeah, <laughs> okay, no. that will be coming down the pipeline. And when that happens, I'll get the both of you on there to oh do those. Because Okay, the higher the grade we give it, the longer it may stay there. Only a film with a higher grade. We can kick it out of the pantheon in the future. So let's put a little money behind this one and see if it pays off and lands amongst the greats. But now that we've had that business, let's get down to business! Sam, do you remember seeing this for the first time? What did you think? I thought this was the coolest movie ever. 
<laughs> I was just a child. Never seen a boomerang before. And this was the Am first I, Mad Max movie you saw. This is the first Mad Max movie I saw. Yeah. This was, I thought this was it. Right. Uh, I thought it went Road Warrior, Mad Max, Thunderdome. Okay. Weirdly enough. Uh-huh. Um, but this you, was on TV. My dad was cooking dinner. Yeah. I flipped the channel and I saw Humongous and was just like, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> I'm very confused. You know, like, you, you've brought up something here that I've been thinking about since I watched Mad Max again last night. Uh, the, the Road Warrior. If you watch it in the order that you saw it, I think I might give Mad Max a higher grade. Oh, as a prequel? Yes. Oh, yeah. You start with the Road Warrior where they give you just the synopsis of what happened before and you go, and you see why. I want to see what happened. And then you show it in the second movie and then you go to Beyond Thunderdome. It's like a machete order of sorts. Yeah, but almost like, you know, the way the quote unquote proper way to watch the Star Wars saga. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that, that may be why I like this trilogy or now a franchise Franch yeah so much better is because this was my base yeah and then i go oh what happened to max right oh that's why he fucking is cold and doesn't care and is a little bit insane yeah yeah he I hasn't really gone insane yet and he never really does until mad means Fury something Road. very different than what i think it is <laughs> yeah like he's not angry like he's not angry but he's also no. like not too insane like fury road he's off the deep end okay that's and, when he's tom hardy that's when he's tom hardy yeah yeah okay well i remember when i saw it it was last week uh, i'd never nice. seen this movie all the way through so i got to pop my cherry on the road warrior yeah, chugga. now that we've handled that business let's get to down to business with our segment inception to perception where i dig shallowly and there's not a lot here so it was quite shallow into the internet to find out how this movie came to be don't get on the set, get ready to shoot, and then ask for rewrites. Studios do this crap all the time, and they wonder why they end up with a shit movie. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Movie? You know, I hate the word movie. I don't make movies, I make films. Following the release of Mad Max, director George Miller received a number of offers from Hollywood, including one to direct First Blood. Rambo First Blood. That would have been wild. However, Miller inst instead decided to pursue a rock and roll movie under the working title of Roxanne. After working with writer Terry Hayes on the novelization of Mad Max, Miller and Hayes teamed up to write Roxanne in Los Angeles, but the script was ultimately shelved. Miller then became more intrigued with the idea of returning to the world of Mad Max as a larger budget would allow him to be more ambitious. Quote, making Mad Max was a very unhappy experience for me, said Miller. Quote, there was a strong pressure to make a sequel, and I felt we could do a better job with a second movie. So it's almost as though he's like, well, we got more cash. Let's make the movie we wanted to make. Yeah. And use kind of the beginning of, or use Mad Max as just kind of the, the first step or the introduction of it going into this. Much like Sam Raimi did in Evil Dead 2. Maybe Evil, maybe that's, because Sam Raimi did Evil Dead 2 after this, right? I believe so. So could he have been inspired by George Miller to do it that way when he did it? Absolutely. He could have. And I mean, I'm sure he was, Mad well, Max, I can't say that. I don't know if he was a fan of Road Warrior. I don't even know if he saw it. Well, I mean, Mad Max, or sorry, uh, uh, Mad Max 1. Yeah. Well, no one in America saw Mad Max 1. It only yeah. made like $9 million here. Yeah. Uh, so it'd be very easy to be like, eh, no one really saw it. 
let's just kind of like cut the bits we want at the very beginning and make it work. Yeah. And if we look at, I mean, we laugh at Evil Dead too because they really rewrote the entire story. Oh, it's great. <laughs> yeah. George Miller has a leg up on you on that one when it comes to continuity, okay? <laughs> Uh, inspired by Joseph Campbell's The Hero with a Thousand Faces and the work of Carl Jung, Miller recruited Hayes to join the production as a scriptwriter. Brian Hannett also came on board as co-writer and second unit director. Miller says that he was greatly influenced by the films of Akira Kurosawa. Wow, they're very, very liberal with what they're dropping as inspirations in this. Very. <laughs> Uh, Filming-wise, principal photography took place over the course of 12 weeks in the winter of 1980 near Broken Hill. The original cut of the film was more bloody, bloody and violent, but it was cut down heavily by Australian censors. Entire scenes and sequences were deleted completely or edited to receive an M rating. When it was submitted to the MPAA in the United States, two additional scenes were shortened. Wes pulling an arrow out of his arm. And a close-up shot of him pulling a boomerang out of his dead boyfriend's head. These are scenes that I would love to have in my life. Although there is there is a version of the film that includes the scenes trimmed down for the MPAA. No version without previous cuts exists. Damn. Lost footage. Damn. <laughs> but yeah, when I read those, I was like, well, we see the arrow coming out of his arm, don't we? We actually don't. don't. It cuts away at the last second. And... The, boy, the, the boomerang in the boyfriend's oh, head. Gnarly. <laughs> like, I would have loved to have seen how they did that. Gnarly. <laughs> but that's the uh, that's all I could find in the making of this one. You know, I think that's part of the charm of the first one and why it was such a cult classic is because the story of how it was made is almost more interesting than the actual movie. Oh, yeah. Them shutting down roads in Australia, the police doing Just it. Like, oh, you're doing a movie. Which, by the oh, way. Oh, you need help. Doesn't this look a hell of a lot more dystopian than the first movie did? Oh, yeah. It looks $4 million more dystopian. But wasn't it filmed in the same place? It's filmed in Australia. Okay. Like, you could have driven, like, 20 more miles out to get there. <laughs> well, then you have to take care of it. No, it's... Oh, no. yeah. You're right. It's, it's like, yeah. four days drive okay. into the middle of nowhere. Okay. Well, let's and get for into those the who don't understand, the yeah. you know, filming in the winter of Australia, that's summer. Yes. Right. Summer for them, winter for us. Yeah. In the northern. Yeah. It's that hemisphere shit. Yes. <laughs> you'll learn that in your science classes in elementary school, kids, and you'll forget about it by the time you're in middle school. Holy <laughs> shit, it's 112 on Christmas in Australia. Crikey. All right, let's get into this movie. But remember, remember one thing that is more than just a tanker of gas. That is our lifeline to a, to a place beyond that vermin on machines. That's 2,000 miles from here. How do you expect us to get it there? Drag it! If we have to, yes, there's always a way. But the first step, defend the fuel. Words. Just words. You die for a pipe dream. Wrong. We fight for a belief. I stay. You can't expect to compete with that. Every day we get weaker while they get stronger. It's finished. I'm sorry. Two days ago, I saw a vehicle that had hauled that tanker. You want to get out of here? You talk to me. 
against a backdrop of vintage documentary footage and clips from the movie Mad Max and other archival footage of war, a narrator's voice in the near future remembers the time of chaos after the collapse of the oil-based economy and the apocalyptic world war that followed. The narrator relates how gangs of scavengers took over the roads, pillaging for fuel, and how ordinary men were broken in the decay. Men like Max Rokotansky, the road warrior, who lost his wife and infant child to the gangs and became an empty shell of a man. I love this intro. It's a solid intro. I loved it because they took, they in every shot, they had two separate images overlaid on top of each other, and they were taking stuff that actually happened and throwing in their Mad Max shit on top of it to make it look like it was all it part, was a of, part the of it. Yeah. No, it's super, <laughs> it's super smart. It is a great intro to eat. Like, that's why you almost... Like you said, you don't need the first one for right. this. It fills you in immediately. Yeah. I almost hear that. And I almost, this may sound sacrilegious to the Mad Max fans out there. I almost prefer the world that they created in the archival footage than what I saw in the original Mad Max. But it, it looked rougher in the archival footage. Oh, well, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You can pick and choose whatever you want. Yeah. Um, and they also had to recap it anyway because no one in the state saw this. Yeah, no, not at all. <laughs> and they just saved you some time. They're like, you, you can't rent. I mean, it's 1981. There's no VCRs hanging down every house. Nope. You got to recap it somehow. I mean, Star Wars didn't bother doing it. But then again, it's Mad Max is not Star Wars. <laughs> Okay, Max and his dog are being chased down an Australian outback road. Two cars and a motorbike pursuing Max's V8 interceptor. Max deploys his booster and outruns his pursuers, wrecking the two cars. The motorbiker, the motorbike riders pull up as Max is collecting fuel from one of the wrecked cars, and the bike's driver, Wes, pulls an arrow from his own arm, screaming defiance at Wes. Max. Wes rides off, leaving Max on his own. When did Max get a dog? Did he on have his a, journey. Did he have a dog in the first movie? No. There wasn't one hanging around the house with the baby with the gun? Nope. Okay. Nope. Might have found him and just like the, the town finds a rabbit <laughs> and pigs. Which will not apparently go underneath the bus wheels? No. Yeah. That's blocked off, right? Yeah. Yeah. And chickens. There's chickens well, there it, too. You know, it's a wall on wheels. <laughs> and already I do understand this is a dystopian future. Just in the first five minutes, it looks barren. As it should. There's no white yes. picket fence on the left side. There's no, no green fields of wheat. No, no, none of that shit. No green whatsoever. No Just green. Desert. Death. Yes. <laughs> Death Valley. And, oh, his interceptor, the last of the V8s. Yes. Yeah. And I did not. God, it's so bitching. I didn't pick that up because at one point I was just like, when did he get this car? And then... As I was watching it last night, if you look near the wheel wells, you still see the yellow that's on yeah. there. Uh, and I'm like, oh, got it now. Okay. Um, it was almost, I needed to see it a second time to kind of really get into it. Um, searching the wrecked truck, Max finds the mutilated body of a dead child and picks up the Chinese t child's tiny music box. Amused by the tune it plays, happy birthday. Max drives off a short time later. Um, I do like the collection of the music, music box because it shows his humanity is still there. He kind of yeah. smiles, remember his little his little kid. Uh, and I think if Mel Gibson was Mel Gibson now, you would have even seen a tear pop out. Yeah. You know, but eh, second movie or so, second or oh, third you know, movie. Stoic, yeah. you know, 
Yeah, he take smiled. All, like, take all those feelings and shove, shove them back down. In. You heard Brooks that shit. <laughs> <laughs> I am curious though what Max's motivation is in this movie because didn't he already get his revenge in the last movie? He got his revenge. He's just surviving right now. Yeah, and at this point in the movie, that's where I'm kind of looking at is like, why are people going after him? Well, it's just like because they're scavengers. It's because they're scavengers, and he's on his journey and trying to survive the world just like yeah. everybody else. And I'll bring up this point later, but. The cool thing about what I think the Mad Max movies is it's not really about him. It's about the people that he comes into contact with. Well, the first movie was all about him. It was all about him. This movie and then Fury Road are not about him. This movie is when the Mariner goes to the Waterworld Fortress and uh, Hopper, Dennis Hopper stops by to infiltrate the the fortress Uh I'm not going to lie to you. There were so many times I was sitting there going, wow, this is better than Waterworld. Yeah, no shit. Waterworld did so many things dirty by this movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's horrible. And it's just a copy. It is a direct copy yeah. of Waterworld. Well, Waterworld, I have to keep reminding myself, Waterworld is a direct copy of this. Yes. Yeah, no. Carriage Poor the Horse. Yeah. Mad Mag Road Warrior came out, and then they were like, cool, can we do this? Put on water. Waterworld, I gave an F to. I can promise you this is not getting an F. <laughs> this did all the things right in every choice that Waterworld said, F*** it, let's do something different. No. 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 No, no, it doesn't work. We don't bungee jump with straight rope. Max spots a gyrocopter by the side of the road. He approaches cautiously, but when he catches the snake guarding the copter, a man camouflaged with sand bursts from the ground, aiming a crossbow at him. The gyro captain has been using the copter to attract the curious and get their fuel once the snake has done its work. Max warns him that Interceptor's full tanks are booby-trapped. The gyro captain orders Max to disarm the bomb. When the captain opens the passenger door, Max's dog attacks the gyro captain and the tables are turned. To save his own skin, the gyro captor offers to show Max an oil refinery not far away, suggesting that the group that lives there will give Max all the fuel he needs. Max takes the man prisoner and drives to the refinery. If he knows that the fuel's there, then why is he setting up booby traps to get fuel? Because he's not welcome in there. Oh, the gyro captain's not welcome there. No, he's not welcome okay. in there. He's never been there. He just knows about it by flying over it. What'd you think about the gyro captain? Uh, Bruce Spence. Well, number one, how long has he been in that dirt? That's a damn good question. How he's, long has he been waiting there? He's got this, the, 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 his nose plugged up. Yeah. Yeah. But also, how does he get out of the dirt? He just leaps yeah. out. Well, it's a trap. You know, he just sets it. But he, he kind of wiggles out first. He's shoulders and then he kind of jumps and he's out of the dirt. And I'm like, that's not how dirt works. You can't just jump out. Well. (laughs) Reflexes. That's what you got. (laughs) Me, I got brains. (laughs) See, he's got brains. He figured it out. He knows it. (laughs) But man, I love it. He's like, don't hurt the snake. Don't put the snake down. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Don't hurt him. I love it when he drops a snake. If you look at the snake, the snake is clearly a rubber snake. yeah. Every fucking scene. And it's on its belly just kind of looking up. Yeah, but Bruce Spence, he plays friggin' crazy, but I can see he's all alone in the outback. Yeah. He has nothing but a snake to talk to. No. That's his his buddy. His craziness I can buy. Mm -hmm. Plus, he's not super crazy. I mean, he created a gyrocopter. Yeah, he's doing all right. He's doing okay. Eating dog food. 
got to do what you got to do. I mean, okay. But doesn't that set a good picture though? Yeah, I think it does. For the environment and the situation? Absolutely. Yeah. It's decimated. Yeah. Again, his teeth are perfect, which everybody should have, but you know, you can't have. There is no green anywhere in this movie. No. And that is huge. I keep going back to that. This is the third Bruce Spence movie we've done on the show. Because we did Matrix, Matrix. Revolutions, yeah. and he was one of the aliens on Utapau in Revenge of the Sith. That's right. Yes. So, Bruce Spence, you're in the you're 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 a you're a threesome. What a legend! But that's not, that's not a good word. <laughs> what a uh, legend, though. Star Wars, Mad Max, and Matrix. Matrix. As the train man. <laughs> was he in Pirates? He may have. I think he was been, in Pirates of the Caribbean too. He may have been. We've never done Pirates. Dude's crushing it. Yeah, he just has a very unique look. He does. <laughs> I love how the dog has the bone rigged to the shotgun as it's driving. Oh, <laughs> like, there's so much smart humor in this, and it totally works for me. Yeah, and I think it's so cool. It's like, well, yeah, of course you're gonna have a dog <laughs> trained <laughs> to have a bone in his mouth tied to the trigger of a shotgun, which also spoiler alert. Yeah. Empty, empty the entire time. <laughs> Which, by the way, is a constant theme in this movie. Yes. <laughs> it's all about redirection. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But what I, the best part of that scene isn't so much the dog with the bone. It's the look on Bruce Spence's face <laughs> when he sees the rabbit outside. He's like, oh, oh shit. shit. <laughs> no, 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 no. Don't look. Don't look. <laughs> you get this. Ah, shit. <laughs> <laughs> there, right. And then, bang. Max, right. Max, roll credits. Well, Darwin ran off and then a click. Oh, yeah. The rifle. yeah. <laughs> they arrive on a hill next to the refinery to find it under siege from a gang using all sorts of odd looking vehicles like Sea Dews and, wait, a wrong, wrong movie. From motorbikes to hot rods, the gang is under the leadership of a huge masked man calling himself Lord Humongous. As he watches through binoculars, Max spots Wes arguing with Humongous. I can totally see where Waterworld got its inspiration now. This fortress is straight out of that floating thing that was in that oh, movie. Yeah. And they're collecting all that fuel and again, burning it with the flamethrowers. This is not a well-run operation. Well, see, my argument to that is it's only for defensive measures. They have a plethora. It's just for defensive defensive measures. They, you know, they don't use it when there's not a threat. But there wasn't a threat there. This was the refinery that the gang members were at, right? Yeah, they were circling. No, it's the village where they're circling. Oh, that was the village. I thought that's where the gang members were stationed first. No, 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 no. The refinery is the base. Gotcha. Yeah, so they're pumping it. Yeah. Okay. Pro processing it however they wish. Listen, the layperson doesn't understand how oil's processed, so we we're not expected to do either, okay? No, but they're pumping it and storing it. It's so pretty, they have a plethora. It's a pretty good bet that their gas prices are pretty out of whack too. <laughs> yeah, they're called the five finger discount. <laughs> Take that shit. Uh, is Lord Humongous supposed to be someone we know or is he a brand new character? And I, now that I know he is just a brand new character. And from what I understand, this is a common theme throughout the, all the movies is that just a brand new bad guy, mm -hmm. no relation to anything that's happened in the past. Yeah. Good to know. And he- Until Toe comes back, but as a new But not character. as Toe Cutter. Yeah, I like that he doesn't look like Toe Cutter because He's Toe Cutter still- farthest thing away from- Toe Cutter still looked like he could be civilized at some point. For sure. Yeah, this guy looks as though there's a Matrix club that's missing a member. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Let's just say that. They're still tweaking nipples still in that camp. <laughs> They're still tweaking them. 
but yeah, he 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 uh, he missed the party this time. He's great <laughs> with a Jason mask. Absolutely. Okay, and those he's got the same hair as Jason. Yeah, if he doesn't say a word, I'm like this guy is scary. Is shit. Scary. And, but then he says things, and you go, "Oh, look, you can't be big, pretty, and smart." <laughs> Let's see if I got something here. I am greatly disappointed. Again, you have made me unleash my jokes of all. That's gonna stay on the soundboard, by the way. Great. That's up there with uh, Darth Vader saying "disappointed." <laughs> okay. <laughs> Max the dog and the gyro captain, not Max the dog, Max the gyro captain and the dog settle in for the night. The gyro captain pleads for his freedom, but Max reminds him the deal was Max wouldn't kill him. The three eat from a small can of dog food, the captain getting the last morsels from it after Max and the dog. They witness what appears to be everyone from the gas compound leaving in all directions in the middle of the night. And I do like the fact that they're eating scraps. Yeah. In a dystopian world. You know, there's no KFC around. No. There's nope. some there's some dead tree bark. Yeah. There's no plant life. No. Boy, did they, they just like, they must have gone through every something. Just like, there's a weed over there. Pluck that shit. <laughs> <laughs> in the morning, four cars make a sortie from the refinery compound, heading in separate directions with humongous people in pursuit. One car is intercepted close to their hideout and its driver and co-driver captured and tortured. Watching through binoculars, Max and the gyro captain see that one of the victims is a woman who is raped and then viciously murdered. Max arrives at the scene after everyone, except the rapist, have left. He disposes of the rapist with a set of bolt cutters and releases the badly wounded male victim, Nathan, who offers Max as much gas as he likes if he takes him back to the compound. Do you think George Miller put this scene in here to kind of do what he couldn't do in the first movie with that very same scene? Mean, it's very similar to paint the, f- the dude's butthole red. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, no, this was definitely on purpose. And I'm sure was uh, part of the material that was cut. Yeah. Uh, this, this is a pretty gnarly rape scene. I mean, it's, not, it's only a little bit, but it's enough to go, oh, f- nope, that's happening. Okay. It was exactly what I wished had happened in Mad Max. I, it gave, I said, George Miller, you pulled your punch on that one. You shouldn't do that. This one, he was like, f*** you, Joe. Yeah. I'm going to put it all in, motherfucker. <laughs> and it was also a really smart idea to give, you know, they're, they're watching from their outpost on the hill, and uh, Max goes try to help yeah um but the the gyrocopter guy uh he's watching and you know he gets a little excited when he sees the boobs but then when she's getting raped he's like oh right the humanity is in this movie that i feel was lacking before yeah it makes it so i sympathize with the good guys Mm -hmm. by the way where's fifi uh bless his heart where's fifi mcafee you know what that's probably humongous no oh fan theory fan theory Head of the cops becomes head of the gang. He was kind of BDSM in that first Absolutely. movie. Absolutely, He was already, well, he was bald. He could have been shaving. And then he just let it go. Because yeah. there's no more water. Just two or three strands. But like, I'll just yeah. grow that out like, yeah. like a Jedi t- tail. Uh-huh. <laughs> that could be humongous. Didn't Absolutely. work out well. I just noticed that Max has a metal attachment for his left leg in this. Mm-hmm. Which I presume is the stabilizer for the gunshot went from the first movie. Yes. And he is still walking with the limp. Yeah, it's from that. Yeah. It's exactly from that. Getting his knee blown out. I do like the idea of crossbows more than guns in this world. It makes way more sense than having, you know, obviously, that's that's the whole thing. Refillable ammunition. Refillable ammunition. Uh, Some of the shots don't work. They expire. 
who's making ammunition. It's scarce. Right. But I will say this is the first initial, this is the first bit where the bad guys are no longer like a Shakespearean pack of dogs. No, they're not. They're going from just, you know, causing a ruckus wherever they go. This is a pack of wolves. Posing on buildings. (laughs) (laughs) Hooray! The day is long and bright! Um, Yeah, no, these guys are f***ing savage. They're badass. Yeah. Yeah, and they're 80s badass. Mohawks, all that shit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Just the one, you know, earring. (laughs) Yeah, it was... uh, And I want... A point I want to bring up is this was the first movie I remember seeing where I was confused that a bad guy had another guy on the back of his bike. It was a very sexual kind of thing going on with men. And I was like, that's interesting. Well, I'll be totally frank with you here. I didn't even notice that was a guy when oh, I yeah. watched it the first time. <laughs> it wasn't until I was going over my notes again and I saw his boyfriend on the back. I was like, uh-huh. oh, okay. It I didn't matter. At no point did they say, I'm Wes and this is my boyfriend. Hi, Mr. Slive. That's what they would have done in 2022. Oh, and yeah, absolutely. Kinda like, this is the norm. That's what we do. And I, th- I thought it was super interesting because I'd never seen that and I wonder how that was coming out in the eighties. I mean, well, here's the thing. They were the bad guys. They're morally corrupt. Uh, so there you go. That was the viewpoint of homosexuals in the 1980s and seventies. Uh, uh, so it's, it's a lot like when we look back at science of the lambs and how transphobic that movie actually is. Is it transphobic or was it just a, somebody who was broken and shattered. Well, the problem is, is how they describe him at the FBI oh. is they use the trans, um, the trans label as this is an evil wherever it is. Because mm. Josh and I, we did that movie and we were like, this is a great movie, but there's no way this movie would have done well in 2021 or 2020. It would never have because oh, the, only, the only instance of evil in that is the one trans person. There was no one else that was trans in that movie to balance it out. You had just the one and they're evil. So yeah. Pulling up outside the compound, Max uh, gets out and enters the compound at gunpoint, carrying Nathan over his shoulder. Max's car with the dog is brought inside by the compound's mechanic as the leader of the refinery people, Papa Gallo, who interrogates Max about the fate of the other escapees. Max can tell him nothing and points out he just wants his gas, as Nathan promised. However, Nathan dies and Papa Gallo informs Max that whatever arrangement he had died with Nathan. Just then, Humongous's gang approaches and the gate to the compound, an old school bus reinforced with armor plating, is closed, forcing the refinery people to let Max stay inside, cuffed to a pipe. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for making the barriers something that made sense <laughs> instead of a overly geared fence on a watery Water. fortress. Yeah. That floats. Feral boy. The reason I bought a boomerang. <laughs> I'm not even joking. Did I you- thought that was the coolest fucking shit I'd ever seen. You throw something and it slices people's fingers off <laughs> and then it comes back to you? Yes. Just the coolest shit I've ever seen. And 
I, here's the thing. I saw Feral Boy, and my first thought was, did we go back in time? He looks like a cave boy. <laughs> that mullet. The mullet is crazy. His face is perfect for oh, that role. Yeah. And I almost wonder what he's doing now. I Yeah, I actually wondered that. I was like, God damn, rough looking kid. Feral Boy grew up to be George Clooney. No. <laughs> Good on him. Yeah, this is so Waterworld, except this makes sense. At least they're not asking him to have sex with one of the underage girls like in Waterworld. <laughs> and that may be one of the more, you know, um, what's the word? It's not sensual. It just makes more sense. No, we'll say more it's logical. Sense. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Logical. It's more logical. Yeah, there's no options. Like, you got to breed, I guess. He's and they there. can't breed in the family anymore because it's getting... Gnarly. It's, yeah. Yeah. There should be a spinoff of that. Story. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> now, on por- now on Pornhub. Okay. Uh, I love that the barrier is just a school bus. Nothing overly high tech. But this movie does do something that Waterworld also does, which I had a problem with on Waterworld because you're surrounded by water. Why is everybody so fucking dirty? Yeah. I get it. Black is bad. Yes. White is good. Yes. Get it. Yeah. You're in the middle of a fucking desert. <laughs> Surrounded you by dirt. You could have roughed up <laughs> the outfits a little more or just, you know, literally just ha- this is what you could have done. Was there I- water anywhere? No. <laughs> no. So there's no excuse here. No. Um, no excuse. I, what I don't get is like, they just get cool. Everybody's got on their costumes. Yeah. Great. Hair's done. Awesome. Makeup. Flawless. <laughs> okay, guys. Get in a row. Spread out. Lay down, roll around for 10 seconds, <laughs> then we're good to go. Yeah. These outfits are spotless. They're pristine. Even like the sweatbands should be filthy from sweat and dirt. The only one that's really dirty is the one that's off the ground with no legs. Yeah. He's filthy. He's filthy. <laughs> I guess because he's the mechanic. Yeah. But even the warrior babe. <laughs> oh, she's straight out of a disco video. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> She's like in those Pilates workout videos, the cassette. Yeah. But you know what? Props to George Miller. He could have taken the only woman worth a damn in this and stripped her down. And he never did that. No, he didn't. No. Put some shoulder pads on her. Strap that headband on her. Straight out of a football league from the future. Yes. (laughs) Humongous is about to talk, but before he talks, we get this. Greetings from the humongous. The Lord humongous. The warrior of the wasteland, the Ayatollah of Rock and Roller. You hear all that and you're like, all right, here, here we go. Comes. He's going to say something. I am greatly disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> I Humongous tells the refinery people he intercepted all their escapees and has learned from the captives that they were sent out to find a semi-tractor big enough to haul the fuel-filled tanker from the compound. He offers the refinery people the chance to walk away free if they leave the refinery, the tanker, and all the fuel to him and his gang. He gives them one day to decide. While Humongous is making a speech... Here comes Feral Kid, who gets in and out of the compound through hidden tunnels, throws a razor-sharp boomerang at Humongous's gang, killing Wes's companion. Wes goes berserk and wants to storm the compound immediately, but Humongous wrestles him down and telling him to bide his time, he'll get his revenge once the fuel is theirs. Humongous and his gang drive away. Also, choking him out. Oh, yes. <laughs> his eyes are fluttering. Yes. 
<laughs> humongous chokes his right hand man out. Uh huh. Because he's being too wild, too crazy. Like Toe Cutter wouldn't have done that. No, he'd been like, oh, just go here, wind him up. Let's see Watch where he goes. Go. <laughs> that scene right there is why I bought a boomerang. Yeah, this definitely ups the style of <laughs> from Mad Max the original. The style is up. Yeah. Uh, there's two dudes strapped to Humongous's car. <laughs> oh no! And this happens throughout. This is a well. Even then, like even the dead bodies, they're yeah. all tied on the vehicles. Absolutely, which is a great touch. The first movie had regular cars. Yeah, I mean they were souped up, but for the most part, you'd be like, "That's a car." These looked like vehicles of war. Yeah. That crazy people put together. Yes. <laughs> and look, Lord Humongous's voice, it is a little funny. What a puny plan. <laughs> it's funny. It's funny, but yeah. I I don't know, maybe it's like the rawness cuz you know, no villain's going to have like, you know, a Darth Vader voice without processing. But it sounds very Vader-esque. It's yes. deeper. It's, it's coming deeper. through a mask. There's a slight reverb to it. Yeah. To me, it's still a person. Yes. You can see his mouth moving from behind the mask. Yes. You can see the sparkle in his eye whenever he looks at those <laughs> assless chaps. Yeah. Fer- and Feral Kid, he's a whiz with the boomerang. Oh my gosh. Yeah. The- <laughs> when it goes straight into Wiz's <laughs> companion's head. Yeah. That's pretty gnarly. It's like, nasty I wish, looking. I really wish that, you know, they fucking yanked it out. Yeah, I, uh, this is the beginning of something that I do have a slight issue, not huge, a slight issue with, with this movie that I didn't have in Mad Max. I like the way George Miller filmed the chases in Mad Max because I said that he never sped up the film. He speeds it up he, a lot in this. Yeah, thing. he does a lot. The boomerang scene is like, <laughs> Farrell can almost does like the, the quick jerk like that. And then like, like, they yeah. like stop speeding up the film, man. I know yeah, you got more money. Yeah. There, there is, I don't know. Maybe he just, he brought that in because he loved it as a kid. He wasn't cutting in his kitchen anymore. No. He had an actual editing studio. Yeah. The shots of the coordinated car movements. Like it's no longer just a couple cars, like speeding down a highway. Right. Like it's a formation. It looks like a wave coming in from the ocean. Like it's menacing. And yeah, even like the shot when they're they retreat for the first time when Max and the gyro captain are looking down. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just that coordination. It just looks so smooth. It's like a giant creature, like moving away. Like everything is just works so well. I don't know. Maybe it's just because it's a long shot with fifty vehicles. I mean, that very well could be it. But it is a. Here's the thing. It's a smart shot. Yeah. And it's a well-directed shot because to get everybody on their timing on that, it if one person's off, the whole shot's screwed. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I do appreciate that when Wes goes crazy and Humongous hugs him and calms him down, the camera goes back to those in the compound. And they're not scared. They're just kind of waiting for the crazy to be over. <laughs> kind of like, okay, are they almost done? <laughs> like, they're almost like irritated. Like, they're an annoyance every day that they keep showing yeah, up. Yeah, like, just... Ah. <laughs> like, and I think about the way that they reacted in the first movie compared to this one, the people react more like these f-ing people, Jesus. <laughs> 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 yeah. Humongous. He's a scary looking dude. 
Uh, the people of the compound are divided. Some want to accept Humongous's offer, while Papagallo and others among the warrior woman try to dissuade him. As the discussion becomes more heated, they forget about Max, who undoes his cuffs. The feral kid crawls out of his burrow next to Max, who plays the musical box to entertain him, and, when the kid laughs with delight, carelessly throws the toy to him. Okay, so does the feral kid live in the compound? Yeah. His parents are there. No, yeah, no parents. No parents, just... No, he's just a part of it. Okay, but he also just... He does as he pleases. Comes and goes as he pleases. Yeah. No one stops him because he's probably rabid. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely got rabies. Yeah. Uh, like, scratches the back of his neck with his foot. Yeah. Because of the fleas. And, you know, this is why you never heard of this guy again. He went full... <laughs> <laughs> you never go full... <laughs> I watched that clip again this morning off of Trumpet oh Thunder, God. and I was laughing. Um, oh. <laughs> oh, and there's a dead kangaroo at the beginning. I didn't notice that the do- when 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 Max is first attacked by Wes and all them. Yeah. Uh, after he's collecting all the gas, the dog is sitting there, and the dog is over a dead kangaroo in the middle of the road. Oh shit! Yes. Nice touch. Got a roo. <laughs> uh, I th- I thought it was funny um, how when I think it was yeah so when the gang shows up for the second time after they retreat and Max is inside they come and people are like scattering. Yeah. There's just a shot of, of a cameraman chasing a rabbit. He's like, <laughs> even the animals are terrified. <laughs> it's like, they're going to rape that little bunny. They might. They might. They might. I, I wouldn't put anything past this group. Uh, we have little bunnies. But they're also organized. They're yeah. a well-organized group. Toll yeah. Cutter's group was not organized. No, it was a pack of wild dogs. Yes. You have no alpha. Oh, you have an alpha, but it's just like, they yeah. do but whatever. he can't hear out of his right ear after shooting that shotgun next to it. <laughs> Everything's fine. Just We're good. Boop. The discussion isn't going Papagallo's way. Most of the refinery people want to give up. A sticking point being that they have no vehicle that can pull the tanker, which is kind of a big deal, and that they're no match for Humongous's brutal gang anyway. Max offers to deliver a rig to haul the tanker, the one he found on the road while being chased by Wes, in return for his car and all the fuel it can carry. And the deal is accepted. I don't want to ask this question, but... I'm the best chance you've got. Uh, how'd the tanker get there if it didn't have the truck? Perhaps. Well, hold on. The truck was there. Because remember, he opens up the door and the dead body falls out of it. In the camp? Oh, not in the camp. I'm talking about the one that was on the road. Oh, no, that one. Yeah, yeah. it's fine. There's a truck. Yeah. That's cool. Um, How'd the tanker how'd get the, to the refinery? How did the oil tank... Well, maybe they just have like one tank there and the other one's being taken off and then the truck comes back to get the next one and brings back the empty one as they fill that up and they bring the next one. Okay, I can buy that. I mean, I, I'm retroactively creating a story here that may or may not work. It works. <laughs> I'll take it. Um, did you notice that Mel Gibson's accent keeps going in and out in this one? No. It, a couple times it goes English. <laughs> it's like American English. I want it, Weird. Yeah. In the dead of night, Max and the dog set off on foot. Max carrying fuel for the truck and jerry cans. Near Humongous's camp, he stumbles and the noise alerts the guards. The feral kid who's allowed Max, who's followed Max, draws them off by imitating the call of a coyote. Max has a little partner. Yeah. He got a little partner out there. Um, How did Max not see the first in the, like, the fires in the dead of night? (sighs) That's something that I have a problem with that in a lot of movies. Yes. 
Uh, number one, how did he not see that drop? <laughs> yes. Number two, he's so close to the camps. <laughs> There's a whole desert, my dude. Yes. You didn't see the fire? No. I mean, really? You're going to be fucking 30 yards away from the camp? There's a problem that with light from the fire yeah. will illuminate you. There, there is an issue in Hollywood when it comes to peripheral vision. Yeah. Jurassic Park is a perfect example. At the end of Jurassic Park, they're being attacked by the raptors. No one saw the T-Rex walking into the building before it attacked. Or feeling the... Right. But because it was out of frame, no one must have seen it. <laughs> yeah, it's out of frame. Uh, in the morning, Max arrives at the hill where he left the gyro captain shackled to a log, only to find that... The resourceful gentleman has set off across the wasteland, dragging the log. Brains. <laughs> He's got brains. Max follows the trail and catches up with them. And I'll be honest with you, with a nothing but a quarter can of dog food in my stomach and no water, there's no way I could drag that log that far without dying. Yeah, he's a champion. <laughs> Bruce Spence, you are the train man. <laughs> <laughs> They arrive at the gyro captor, finding a dead man who'd been killed by the Captain Snake. The snake worked! I told you it would! <laughs> Max checks the man for supplies, finding a shelf or a sawed-off shotgun, which had empty chambers the entire time. <laughs> Max, dog, and... <laughs> it's just the entire time? <laughs> I love how this synopsis has named the dog Dog. Yeah. It's just Max... Dog and Gyro Captain fly to the truck where Max found the music box when he was chased by Wes. Max gets the truck started and throws the Gyro Captain the keys to the shackles, then drives off with his dog. And the Gyro Captain calls, We're partners! <laughs> um, the Gyro Captor is really cool, but it's completely impractical in a gas depleted world. Mm, that thing I would think guzzle. It, yeah, it would guzzle, but it's also, you know safest for the most part. Max wants his car back. That's his motivation. We know that. True. Uh, you know what? Actually, you know what? I, I take my statement back and here's a situation. Why flying over area, yeah. bad guys see helicopter go. Oh, 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 <laughs> are they fairable? <laughs> yes. <laughs> ooh, ooh, ooh. Ooh, uh, uh. <laughs> and so they drive towards helicopter in the outback, very flat mad, uh, chases after. A car's going to last longer than a helicopter. So all that car has to do is keep up with the helicopter until it runs out of gas and has to come down eventually. Didn't you have the same argument for Waterworld when they walk going a straight direction and the sea dudes just didn't even know where they are? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. It's like they're going in a direction and then, oh, these fuckers got ahead of them by like two days. Yeah. We're, here's the thing. In this, we know that they can track the gyro captor. Yeah. But in Waterworld, the guy goes up in the balloon, and he's missing for two hours, and then he just shows up, and Noah's like, what's that in the sky? <laughs> the gyro copter follows in Max's wake as he heads off to break through the siege. Max takes Humongous's gang by surprise, and, aided by the gyro captain, cop captain, who drops snakes on the pursuers, makes it into the compound, although the truck suffers substantial damage. Where is he getting all these fucking snakes from? I, I thought... It, was it snakes? I thought they were firebombs. I thought they were firebombs too. I think this got it wrong. because Yeah, no, they were firebombs. Yeah. He drops the snake later. Right. Which I also bring up is when they find the snake, snake is dead. Oh, yes. And he goes, no, it's mine. I ate it. I raised him. I'm going to eat it. And then, then it's back. It's back. 
Well, it's the outback. I'm sure there's more than one snake. You, know, mean, you, well, you know, it could be alive. I don't know. It could be. I don't know why it would just be, you know, it's cold blood. It's got to stay in the, in the sun. But yeah. Listen, it's magic, baby. We've never, ever said George Miller, you know what his forte is? Continuity. It's action. Yes. Okay. Humongous's gang are in pursuit and or in hot pursuit, sorry. And Wes gets inside the compound by climbing aboard the truck. The gang now attacks the gate to get inside. In the confusion, no one except Max notices that Papa Gallo is wounded while defending the gate. Max runs to take his place, using a flamethrower to prevent the enemy from breaching the gate. Wes brutally kills one of the compound crew and escapes to the outside. The compound people now greet Max as a friend and hero, wanting him to drive the truck for the escape run. Max just wants to get his fuel and go. The gyro captain lands in the compound, attracting excited attention, he immediately befriends a pretty young girl, persuading her to run away with him. Go for it. Just go for it. <laughs> Jesus. Um, I mean, I think you say it better. The slim pickings of that pretty girl thinking the gyro captain's a catch. <laughs> you just say, you know, he just smiles one time and you're like, it's just, it's like the Shanghai Knights bit where Owen Wilson sees all the pretty English women and then they smile. They and smile. Like, <laughs> Whoa. Um, his breath has to be just... Oh, Jack Sparrow level horrendous. Smells of whiskey and dead snake. <laughs> uh, I love that when the truck drives by the camp, it blows away a tent with two people having sex in it. Thanks, George Miller. Thanks. Appreciate you. Here, <laughs> there's that, your continuity. We need that running theme in here for consistency. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. That's what I'm saying. And I wonder if they're credited in this as opposed to the last movie. Absolutely. I really hope so. Mel Gibson's Road Warrior is written and acted better than The Mariner in Waterworld. I have to say that. Uh, I think Kevin you know, Costner the Road Warrior can't does, hold a candle to Mad Max. I think The Road Warrior does like, you know, everything that Waterworld, you know, wanted to do. But better. Just, yeah. It's just way worse. Yeah. In fact, every single level, when you're done listening to this podcast, please download the water world one and just <laughs> listen to that and how far off the track they got. <laughs> okay. If the repairs in the truck will take 24 hours, what makes them think they can do it in 12? Oh my God. This was such a fucking hilarious <laughs> bit of dialogue. And I don't even know if George Miller had anything to do with it. It doesn't, doesn't feel like him, but the back and forth from the back the and forth between the, there was the mechanic <laughs> his spokesperson yep. and then the mayor and his spokesperson. So it was the mechanic relaying <laughs> to the voice guy next to him, to the voice guy up on the top of the fence to the mayor. Then the mayor back to his voice guy down to that voice guy to the mechanic. And he's like, what the f- does that mean? He's like, what the f- does that mean? What the f- does that mean? It's like, it means 24 hours. It means 24 hours. It means we got to stretch the script out two you more have, minutes. <laughs> you have 12 hours. 12 hours. Okay. Yeah, I, what I, this is something that movies also do that bothers me. It's like they'll take a time frame that it can be done in, and they cut it in half, and it gets done. Yeah, well, I don't know. Like, I, do they think the guy's going to be like, oh, I'll take my usual, like, you know, half-hour break here and there. We're not under any urgency here. He's working his ass off, too. Yeah. I don't know. I've done six-hour jobs and turned them into three. But was it your best work? I mean... Pretty damn good job. Oh, you crafty little man, you. You're quick. You're quick. Very quick. Ever seen a man beat the snipe before? 
Okay, that night, Humongous, furious with the turn of events, crucifies and tortures the remaining captives on a hill outside the compound and threatens that none of them will get out alive. While the compound is listening to his ranting, the gyro captain and the girl make for the copter. But at the last minute, the girl changes her mind. She won't leave her people. The captain stays in the compound with her. Well, this He's seems- so disappointed. He's like, I almost got the girl. Damn it. I am gravely disappointed. <laughs> Again, you have made me unleash my jokes of all. This seems just unnecessary. Crucifying as Lord Humongous does his best WWE impersonation here, and it's getting funny again. <laughs> uh, I think that is just a modern take. I think back in the 80s, that was pretty wild. Well, yeah, this this reminds me of Hulk Hogan or Savage talking to the TV. Mm-hmm. Um, the pretty girl that the gyro captain, she's got herself a Cindy Lou Who haircut. Uh, meanwhile, Max is fueling up and getting ready to leave. Papa Gallo tries to persuade him to drive the truck. Max refuses, and Papa Gallo, in his disappointment, confronts him, calling him a coward, no better than the garbage outside. When Papa Gallo asks Mac- Max about his history, wanting to know how he became so heartless, Max hits him. Returning to his work, Max finds the feral kid has hidden himself in the interceptor, obviously expecting to tag along. Max evicts him without ceremony. As Max pulls out of the compound at daybreak, the gyro captain tells Max he's making a big mistake. Okay. I will say this. This scene could have used some more back and forth dialogue between Papa Gallo and Max because I felt like he didn't push hard enough. He should have gone straight towards the family part. And I felt like that Instead of having the two-minute conversation of, how much time do you need? Maybe spend the time on this part right here. How are you going to do Mowgli like that? <laughs> He's your buddy. He saved your life. He's a little partner. Exactly. <laughs> you know, he's dead weight. Oh, 100%. Well, I think he could help out. It's like having two dogs. <laughs> right. What can he do that the dog can't do? We can throw a boomerang. Throw a boomerang. <laughs> Not get killed. Well... <laughs> Oh, does the dog get killed in this? See, if you're not a dog person, that's how you ask that question, and people look at you like you're a fucking weirdo. Okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, does the dog get killed? Okay. <laughs> Everybody else is like, fucking son of a bitch. You have no heart. Humongous's gang sees Max driving away and Wes, disobedient to his leader's will, sets off in pursuit with some companions in Humongous's vehicle. Max uses his booster tanks to escape. However, Wes does the same and overtakes Max. Wes hammers Max's windscreen with length of pipe and the interceptor rolls off the road. Severely injured, Max barely has time to crawl out of the wreck with his dog and hide behind a rock before Wes's companions scramble down to the wreck. Wes wants Max alive. One of Wes's men kills Max's dog, hoping... Or, yeah. It, however, Max is spared from capture when the booby-trapped tank of the Interceptor explodes when opened by Toady, killing Wes's men. Wes pulls away, leaving Max for dead. At the compound, the gyro captain sees the smoke from the explosion and fetches a semi-conscious Max back to the compound on the copter. Cuban Noss, my dude. <laughs> they killed the dog. Time to bring on John Wick. This is the John. This is when Mad Max. In, if you look at the first movie, this is kind of the time frame when they killed his wife. Because mm-hmm. the last twenty minutes is when he goes mad against the yeah. one guy and lets him on fire. Well, you killed his fucking dog. There's twenty minutes left, and the gyro captain has all the heart in this movie. He's just all heart. Oh yeah, absolutely. Gyro and Feral Kid. They're the MVPs. They are. They are. And that's the, you know, it's the kind of my point is like, this movie's not really about Mad Max. It's about the people that he comes in contact with. Yeah. I think that they spent a lot more time 
on the characters of the people mm-hmm. in this world, in this movie, which probably had to do with the fact they had more money, mm-hmm. could hire some better actors, obviously, uh, flesh out, had more time to flesh out the story. I don't want to keep besmirching Mad Max because you wouldn't have this movie without what George Miller wanted to do as a story. Yep. It's kind of like A New Hope. Empire Strikes Back is a fucking fantastic movie. It's a hell of a lot better than A New Hope. Yeah. But you need A New Hope to get to Empire. Yeah. You've made you've made Mad Max required watching. Fuck you, George <laughs> Miller. Okay. <laughs> Max wakes up in the infirmary to find the feral kid bringing him his gear. Outside, Papagallo is going over the escape plan from his uh, people. The tanker, driven by Papagallo, is to leave first to draw off the attackers, allowing the rest of the people to escape in another direction in the school bus and other vehicles to rendezvous with the tanker at nightfall. Max convinces them to let him drive the truck, pointing out that despite his injuries, he's the best chance they've got. One of the women gives Max a small supply of shells for his shotgun. I love that his previously shot knee is back to being all f***ed up again. <laughs> oh, yeah. So it's, you know. Return him to where he was in the first movie. Yeah, but, you know. And how is he the best chance? He looks like battered shit well, right now. he looks like battered shit, but, you know, he's got he's got the attitude. He's the he Anakin, has the driving skills. He's the Anakin Skywalker of this series. Everything he drives just crashes. He just crashes. <laughs> yeah. But he's, a but hell he's of a, still the best pilot. He's still the best driver in the, in yeah. the Outback. <laughs> just don't ask him to land anything. Oh, God, no. Okay, they set off Max driving now the four, the now fortified truck pulling the tanker, which is guarded by the warrior woman, the mechanic, and another warrior. What's the mechanic doing up there? He can't do shit. He can throw things. <laughs> he can throw things. At the last minute, the feral kid, supposed to go in the school bus like a good boy should, jumps on the truck. The tanker smashes through humongous lines and heads off with Papagallo in an escort vehicle and the gyro captain providing aerial support. Okay, I'll take it back. It looks like they've max-proofed the tanker. There's no way he can screw this vehicle up no, at this point. This no. thing is a badass tank. Wherever they got all those materials from. <laughs> the giant battering ram. Sure. You didn't see the steel mine out back? <laughs> oh, shit. They were refining oil and mining steel. That's right. Lord Humongous is shooting at the tanker. Does he want the gas or the explosion? <laughs> well, no, he shoots at the engine because he wants to kill it. Like He wants to kill the radiator and kill the internals. Oh, I thought I saw some bullet holes going into the tanker also. No, but maybe no. I'm just shooting at the engine. Saw that in my head. Okay. Um, Come on. Oh. He's smarter than that. <laughs> what do you got? This is how you make an example of somebody. Mr. Slive. Mr. Slive. <laughs> You, oh. you chain him up. Ooh, what's that? Like a dog on a leash. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Lemmy Winks. Lemmy Winks. <laughs> the greatest adventure. Okay. But no, I love that he, because he disobeyed him. He didn't, you know, just leave him out of the party. He made an example of him. Yes. He put him on a fucking leash and put him on his car yeah he did that was pretty cool looking yeah i was like damn the school bus and the other vehicles quietly leave the compound without attracting interest just as papagallo had predicted some of humongous people then enter the abandoned compound to take possession but the compound has been rigged with explosives and blows up only moments afterwards what a fun day of shooting (laughs) you take all this time to build up your giant set and then explode it. Another waste of fuel in this dystopian land. Well, no, you had to kill off people. I'm beginning to think I there's not a fuel it. shortage. Have they said fuel shortage once? They said in the archival footage at the very beginning. Okay. Yeah. 
Right. This time they actually mentioned it. Whereas in the first movie, they were kind of like, eh, leave it up to your imagination. Okay. Yeah. Well, they have, they, they have a ton of it. So, but yeah, it's a giant fucking explosion. It is huge. For 1981, yes. <laughs> There's no CGI on that. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> that's that's uh, Danny McBride and Tropic Thunder. <laughs> right <laughs> on! <laughs> what, does he like scream, suck my dick? <laughs> I need to rewatch that movie. It's so good. <laughs> Humongous has been keeping Wes chained after his disobedience, but now sets him free. They all chase the tanker and one by one pick off the warriors defending it. Wes killing the warrior woman and Humongous killing Papa Gallo. Things are looking bad for Max as the gang starts shooting out the tires. The gyro captain creates a diversion, dropping Molotov cocktails from above. The copter is damaged and goes down, but Humongous has to stop to put out the fire in his vehicle before he can join the pursuit again. I really feel bad for the two guys who are stuck to Mr. Slave's truck. Oh, yeah. Do you know how many bugs they must have eaten on the way to that spot? Just shooting into their mouth. It gets worse for them. Dumb and dumber when he goes, I think I ate a bug. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I love the one guy who can't walk is on fire. (laughs) Oh, and he's like, I'm fine. I'm fine. (laughs) I'm all right. He's like patting it. His hands are on fire. He's like... Oh no, I still got this. I'm good. I'm still, I still got this. Take who directed this, Taika? Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I really like that by the end of this, nobody has won, really. No, no, they haven't. They've well, all lost. Well, obviously the bad guys lose. Right. The battle because, you know, spoiler alert, they get the fuel and they get all way on sunset, but a ton of people died on both sides. Oh, there were sacrifices to be made. There were a ton of people that died. Warrior woman went out like a bitch. Uh, I expected more out of that. I fight. expected more. She like clearly can see the fucking. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And you know, honestly, I was really hoping we were going to see uh, the mechanic, like them crash the car and McCann just goes flying off. (laughs) Oh yeah. Well, he kind of did when he fell off the tanker and the shot, he's like, yep. (laughs) Only Max and the feral kid remain to battle Wes and another gang member who have climbed aboard the truck and are attacking the cab. Max gets rid of Wes by slamming the brakes, throwing him over the front of the truck. The kid helps Max fight the other guy. And then Max makes a U-turn heading back the way he came. The kid goes out on the bonnet to retrieve Max's shotgun shells. When Wes, who's been clinging to the front of the truck, suddenly pops up to grab the kid. Max hauls the kid back to safety, just as humongous speeding to catch up and realizing too late. The truck has turned back slams into the truck in a horrific head on collision. Humongous and Wes are destroyed and the truck goes off the road on its side in a spectacular wreck. How did he not realize the truck had turned around? Well, I almost take it as he's crazy enough to try to ram the truck or he's going so fast that just can't get out of the way. Mm-hmm. Man, Cuban Nos, dude, that's a mother. I'll <laughs> get you going. There's points in this movie where I wonder if he was trying to remake Mad Max with a bigger budget. Mm-hmm. And there's points when I'm like, no, this is a totally different story. Yeah. Like earlier, the, the rape scene, that's a remade scene. Mm-hmm. This scene right here, I feel like he's trying to do what he did to toe cutter just more spectacularly. Yeah. But toe cutter, you got the idea that when he was going towards him, he knew what he was fucking doing. Mm-hmm. This guy, if 
He, he reminds me, I don't want to do this. He reminds me of the one dude in Waterworld who's shooting everything and can't stop shooting. The pig, yeah. Yeah, and you're just like, stop. You can see you're killing people. <laughs> like, I don't understand what his motivation is in this for running into the truck. Well, I think if he's going as fast as he can, you can't just lean down mm. and turn off Cuban You can't just turn off Cuban Nas. <laughs> like you're going at it. Yeah. So I don't know. It's, I think it's better than the pig piggy, you know, shooting and he can just take his fingers off the trigger. What's his name? Hey, Hank. Hey, you're stop shooting. Hank. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is that your cousin over there? <laughs> Stop shooting! Stop shooting! It's a cool-looking scene, but yeah. I have trouble wrapping my mind as to how logically he didn't know the truck had turned around. I mean, it's no jet skis. <laughs> At least it didn't blow up before he hit the truck. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. He blew up. That head-on collision was pretty gnarly. It was pretty gnarly, yeah. Yeah. No, toe cutter and him. Those are that's how you do a head-on collision. Oh yeah. Yeah. When humongous people arrive at the wreckage, they can see even from a distance that what's spilling from the broken tanker isn't gas. It's red dirt. The tank was only a decoy. <laughs> a little later, Max climbs out of the truck carrying the kid. He stops by a tap, letting the red dirt run through his fingers. The gyro captain comes along, driving his copter on the road. Max and the captain exchange wry smiles, Max shaking his head tiredly. That was some cold shit, turning him into a decoy. That was the best chance they had. It was the smartest move of the entire series so far. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but what I wonder is, did Max know it was a decoy? Had to have. Because I got the idea that when he got out and he saw it popping out, he was like, ah, oh, I was a decoy. Oh, okay. I can see that. I almost like that better. Because Max would have never been like, listen, if you want to do this, the only way you're getting out of this is with me. Yeah. And he finds out he's a decoy. It has nothing to do with you. Mm. Which kind of goes with what you were saying about the Mad Max world, which is it's really not so much about Mad Max. It's about the world around Mad Max. Yeah. So it lines up with what you were saying. I dig that. Uh, at sunset, the school bus and the other vehicles head off with the feral kid waving out the back of the bus at someone. The narrator's voice comes on telling of their journey north to safety with the gyro captain as their new leader and that the gas was hidden in canisters in the convoy all along. The narrator is revealed as the feral kid grown to manhood and the road warrior is seen standing alone by the side of the road. The last we ever saw of him. Oh, that's cool. Feral kid got himself. See? He can speak. He can speak. <laughs> so we're never going to see the feral kid again? No. Feral! 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 That's right. <laughs> it's okay. You're going to get some characters in Thunderdome. Oh, I'm aware. <laughs> I haven't watched it yet, but... As I was downloading the sounds for this, there were Thunderdome ones. And I was like, let me hear what some of these are. I was like, oh, Christ almighty. Oh, yeah. Oof. Oh, yeah. But that's all, folks. According to the top critics of Rotten Tomatoes, it's got tomato meter reading of 100%. 10 fresh, one rotten. I don't know how that came out. It's 100%. First off, the math's not right there. And also, I wouldn't give this 100%. Um, well... It means 100% think it's a positive. six or higher because yes. the average of it is a 7.6 out of 10. That's a fair this isn't it. This, ladies and gentlemen, this is a perfect example of why Rotten Tomatoes should not just be looked at as a percentage score. 
you need to look at what the grade is. Yes. <laughs> okay, the critic consensus says, quote, the Road Warrior is everything a bigger budgeted Mad Max sequel should be. Bigger, faster, louder, but definitely not dumber. Yeah. I agree. Nail it on the head. That might be one of the best ones we've read so far. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> but let's take a look to see what those critics said about this one from the rotten side. And uh, there was nothing. Well, I defined these off of the all critics, not just the top critics. Ah. So we got Michael Lasky of the Bay Area Reporter who said, yeah, I, yeah, felt, yeah. I felt less like a movie viewer and more an indentured servant. <laughs> figure for a Bay Area person, he'd find comfort in the leather and chains. And Who am I to judge? <laughs> Diego Galan of El País in Spain says, Mad Max 2 is only interested in the spectacle of blood and the violence of the fights. Oh. Well, that's kind of what George Miller's all about. Yeah. The violence and the blood. Well, not so much of the blood. Uh, well, and there's not a whole lot of that in here. No. What's Diego talking about? I don't know. See a different movie. And David Starrett of Christian Science Monitor. This ought to be good. Oh, Brute yeah, violence good. and a fascist mentality are the hallmarks of this Australian fantasy. Hey, yes, why don't they you are. go pray your pain away? <laughs> yes, they are. That's the whole point, Davey. <laughs> okay, the audience score, which is the average rating the audience gave this film, is a 4.1 out of 5, with 86% agreeing it's a 3 or higher. Movie's over. Were you entertained? And I will say I was definitely more entertained than the first movie. Sam? Hell, Right. Yeah, you were. Now let's figure out whether the awards got it right and whether this movie's worth your time or not. At the Academy Awards, it received zero nominations. And at the Golden Globes, again, zero nominations. But this time, the Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror Films, they saw shine on George Miller this time around. They were nominated for Best Actor. Mel Gibson was. But William Shatner wins for Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan. Should Mel Gibson have won? Uh, I, I would say William Shatner had a better performance at Khan. I would, too. Yeah. I... Have you, have you seen Khan? Oh, yes. Okay, yeah. Oh, yes. Uh, best costumes went to Tron that year. <laughs> uh, uh, that's cute. Over Mad Max 2, The Road Warrior. And Conan O'Brien. Uh, well, not Conan O'Brien. Conan, Conan the Barbarian. <laughs> uh, I will say this. Who knew hockey pants and or hockey helmets and spandex could? Yeah, that was how they were lit up. It was rotoscope. The whole thing was rotoscoped. It looked cool. No, it looked cool. I get it. But yeah. as costumes, I probably would have gone to. One of these was family friendly. The other one, uh, that wayward son of yours that wants to go hanging out at the Matrix Club. <laughs> uh, best director went to Nicholas Meyer of Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan over uh, George Miller's Mad Max 2, over Ridley Scott's Blade Runner, over wow. Steven Spielberg's E.T., and, and over Toby Hooper's Poltergeist. What a year for movies. That's one hell of a slate. I think that best director is very wrong. I think a Trekkie was in charge of this award. Well, I will say this. We've talked about E.T., we've talked about Poltergeist. Poltergeist was a Steven Spielberg movie. Toby Hooper's yeah. put his name on it. Yeah. Steven Spielberg was doing E.T. at the time, and E.T. is a very gr good family film. Uh, but is it a good science fiction movie? It's, I think it's more of a family well, it's film. Not, it's not about the movie. It's the director. Right. It's a good. It's a well-directed film, but it's not his best. 
No. I mean, I mean, honestly, I would have gone with Ridley Scott's Blade Runner for this. I see. For me, Blade Runner and Mad Max Two are kind of in the same vein for me, uh, because I don't feel like he was asking his cast to do a whole lot. The, those two movies, they're not asking them to really stretch the actor's range or anything like that. Yeah, I feel like it's an encompassing like direction of like everything. He's directing the music, the theme, the shots, yeah. the actors, the props, everything. Like, it, I don't know. To me, really, Scott's Blade Runner is still you know, gorgeous. Yeah. And the characters are interesting. And it, it, it has like... For Mad Max, it's yes, it's a simple desert, post-apocalyptic leather asses chaps. <laughs> Mr. Slave, it's great. Blade Runner is almost Star Wars esque in what's going on in the world. Blade Runner could take place on Coruscant. Yeah, yeah, and I believe it. I would believe that too. It has its own mood. It has its theme. It has its own identity. I think the reason why Star Trek won on this one is because it was following the motion picture, which is a dog shit movie. Um, and this movie was based off of a storyline from the first season of the Star Trek TV series. And it took all the characters and brought them back into this for completion to Khan's story. And Many people say Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, is the best Star Trek movie of them all. Um, You could also say that for the new movies. Well, I would say if you cut out the the Abrams reboot, just the Star Trek all the way to Nemesis, uh, I think this is, I think, I think two is the best of all the Star Trek movies. Um, That's one I can't, I, I would, at some point, in the future, maybe getting the Star Trek movies, just the five, not not all of them, just the yeah. five. It's a, it's a hell of a journey to go on. We've already done once. We we got that one out of the way. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> That's a piece of shit. Uh, best international film, Mad Max Two wins. Hey, yes, it's an international film because it was made in Australia. <laughs> and best supporting actor, well, it lost to Richard Lynch. Uh, who was it? It was uh, Bruce. Oh, the gyro captain. The gyro captain Bruce Benson hey. loses to Richard Lynch in The Sword and the Sorcerer. I've never seen this. Neither. Yeah. Um, I'm assuming Rudiger Hauer is the, the villain. Yes. Yeah. Best writing, E.T., the extraterrestrial wins over these movies. Uh, the only one I would say maybe not is Star Trek II. Uh, E.T. was very formulaic. Uh, boy and his dog. Yeah. Well, it is. Uh... But Mad Max 2, if it was just Mad, if it was an original, if it was the first in the, if you watch this in the order it should be watched in, then it should win for best writing. (laughs) 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 All right. On to our next segment titled Top 3, Bottom 3. I'll start. Here are my three. Number three, you can tell there's more here because there was more budget. Oh, my God. Yeah. Absolutely. Number two. Waterworld is a near copy of this, but this is a much better film. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. And my number one, The Feral Kid. A great addition to the series, but he came and he went. Sam, what are your three? <laughs> my three? Well, I have him in my head. You don't have, yeah, okay. Yes, I do. Let's see how many he copies. Go. Okay, number three. <laughs> you can tell there's, there's more, more here budget. because there's more budget. <laughs> now, number three is... Uh, where 
Mad Max had some interesting like side characters along with Max and the villains. This actually has characters and what is going to be my number one is that the character it's the movie is about the characters that he comes into contact with and they have such great characters with um, just the townspeople. They don't feel forced. They feel threatened, but you have the helicopter guy and the feral kid who's just a badass motherfucker. My number two is still again, the car shots. Now they're on a grander scale. It's not just two cars speeding down the highway or a car speeding down with a trail of motorcycles on the back. It's these large grand shots with orchestrated car formations. And it's wild to see them move as a giant entity in the smoke or the dust in the background trailing behind. And my number one is it's such a dope world. It feels unique when I, when you, when I put this on, like no other movie I can think of does this where I go, Oh, that's Mad Max. Or if they do, it's like, well, that's just Mad Max. Yeah. This is Mad Max. It is. (laughs) It is the episode from Rick and Morty. (laughs) It is their Thunderdome. (laughs) What's it? A big helmet or something. What, is, what was that dude's name? I don't remember his name. Is that when they Morty had, had mustaches? The, yes, he had the... Yes, the other, yeah. <laughs> it's Mad Max. Yes. It's dystopian desert burning man. Yes. And it's just, that's such an interesting... Like, not many people or directors can write, you know, these types of, like, unique worlds. And even the dialogue, you know, the dialogue didn't really come through on this one but it comes in later and it's like, it has its own dialogue. It has yeah. its own people. It has its own style. Yeah, it does. And, and it's a great action adventure movie. It's funny. I feel almost like Joel does. Joel had something he said about the star Wars movies because he had never seen the original trilogy before we had done the, we, I didn't know that he, but we, he was on our shows when we were doing them. He was watching really for the first time those oh weeks. Gosh. Um, but he said, you know, he knows the movies because they're in, they're in pop culture. They're out there. He's seen parodies of them so many times that he's, it's almost like that's what he thinks it is. And then this is the original. It seems less than. Yeah. I've seen so many Mad Max parodies. So when I watch these, I'm like, God, the parodies are better. Well, one of my favorites is, uh, like the, is, the Rick this... and Morty one is exactly like, I knew exactly what that episode was and yeah. I'd never seen this movie. Yeah. You know exactly what it was. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite parodies of this is uh, in This is the End with uh, Chatting Tatum. Yes. Oh, yeah. When he comes out of the uh, trailer. <laughs> he's, just, he's the sex slave. <laughs> Danny McBride's sex slave, right? Yeah, he's Danny McBride's sex slave. <laughs> just, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's Mad Max right there. Yeah. God, that's another great movie. Yeah, bring if they do the next one, you got humongous. You got to date him. I mean, just get some wispy hair on him. No, I mean this is the end. That's that's what I, we got to do for the comedy pantheon at some point. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Um, all right, bottom three. Here we go. My number three. The premise still makes no logical sense. No fuel, so everyone wastes fuel and attempts to strike fear. Doesn't make sense to me. Makes sense to many others. Uh, number two, the acting still ain't great. Lord Humongous is intimidating until he opens his mouth. And my number one, Georgie. You were speeding up the film a few too many times in this one. <laughs> what was nice about the first one was that you never sped up the film to show the speed. In this one, he does it more than 10 times. It wasn't needed. They already looked good. 
If you slow it down, it's going to look just as spectacular, I promise. Just let go of the little, the fast forward button. Let go of it. Let go. Let go. Sam, go. But number three is, I guess it just ties into costume design. For modern grading, it hasn't aged well. <laughs> it hasn't aged well, but it's also not, it's, it's too clean. Like the villains look great. It looks like they've scavenged like the remains of wrecks they've caused and people they've killed. Yeah. Whereas this is super clean white football pads <laughs> with pure white headbands and Cindy Lou Who joystick hair. Um, it is just the Indianapolis takes, Colts. <laughs> <laughs> it just takes me out of the movie, um, and it just hasn't aged well. It's just two eighties, yeah. and it just it hurts the movie itself. Um, my number two is. While this is a great action adventure movie, once again, it's not the most complicated story. So while it did improve, I do appreciate Mad Max. Yeah, the first, I always got to say the first Mad Max. The first Mad Max's simplicity was a positive. This one yeah. was a negative. Okay. It was too simple. And this is for, this is just for modern. Yeah, right. Um, and then my first one, which I do have to agree with you is the speed up shots. And one in particular is when Max escapes for the first time. Mm-hmm. And then you see oh. Wiz and his crew. It's like a twenties movie. Yes. Like there's, they sprint to the car and they're off within f- three seconds. We had the Benny Hill music. Yeah. Um, it's just, it doesn't work. No. And it, it's not as cool as them just running into the car and fucking hauling ass. And yeah. it hurts. It hurts the movie. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It, it takes away from, the, it takes you out of the movie. Yeah, because it's so, it's so down to earth. It's gritty. Yeah. You don't need it. It's not necessary. No, I'm, I'm right there with you. Okay. Time for the critics grade. A to F scale here on the movie planet. A, C is average. A is the highest. F is the lowest. What do we give 1981's Mad Max 2, The Road Warrior, in the action-adventure movie genre by today's standards? And because this is your baby, I'm going to go first. Okay, this movie is a huge improvement over the first movie. The action is better because the budget is larger, and the plot moves along really well. I didn't feel like there were any parts that dragged, even when they slowed things down. I was invested in not grabbing my phone. One hour and 35 minutes, and it felt like it. Good job, editing crew and George Miller. Now, casting-wise, look, they got Mel Gibson back and asked him to do basically the same thing he did in the first movie. Well, maybe a little less. His character doesn't have a whole lot of depth here, and maybe it's because his story was already resolved in the first movie. Everyone else fills very shallow characters that are peripheral to the circus that this movie is. Action movies fall on a spectrum. On one side of the spectrum, you have very little character development and story, but all action. And on the other side, you have tons of character development and story, but little action. When it's perfectly balanced, that's an A for me. When it teeters towards one side or the other, it tends to drop in a grade. This is definitely the extreme on the side of all action. The story is pretty thin, but the action is really well done. There were a few times when I could tell what was ripped off from this to make Waterworld, and boy was it egregious. But where this movie succeeds where Waterworld failed was the story connected. 
A led to B led to C led to D. It's a competent enough story to warrant at least a C grade out of me. Look, at this point, the world is what it is. The plot works within the world and the villains are products of the plot working within this world. I know people like the stylized fashion of the BDSM gangs on the Outback, but for me, it takes more than cabaret costumes to get me to worry. Now this time, yes, the cat characters appear more menacing and less goofy, but I honestly almost wish they made all of them silent because the minute they open their mouths, you realize the feral kid could outthink these guys. I have yet to see any intelligence behind the decisions. I think overall, this is the best of the franchise I've seen so far. It's better than average, but it also has some pretty big issues logic wise. I just can't turn away from. So whereas I gave Mad Max a D, I'm going to give the road warrior a B. Wow. It's good. But I can't justify it being a better action movie than Live Free or Die Hard. It's right there as far as I'm concerned. It's better than King Kong. It's better than Point Break. It's better than Mad Max. And it's hella better than Die Hard too. But it's not as good as Die Hard with a Vengeance. And it's not as good as Die Hard. Hmm. So that's what I think. I think it's a B. I'm guessing you thought I was going to go lower than that. I thought you were going to go lower because I think this is the first time where we're going to have the same grade. No shit. Because this is a B movie for me. I almost feel like I won just hearing this. Yeah. This this is the first time we've ever had the same score. Do you realize the yo-yo we've been on the last four shows we've done? Oh, it's been wild. (laughs) We're like, we're like, we're the sine wave that finally connected. We have... Never agreed on, on a, a sc- no. We the last one we agreed on was the fly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So here, like, okay. So I'll just go into my review. Yeah. Uh, this movie sets the stage and sets the to the tone for really any apocalypse movie. I, I can't think of a post-apocalyptic movie before this that really did it justice with, let's say, let's just, for examples, the dog food, the violence, the raping, like these are things like it's grotesque, but it sets the tone and it sets the world. It, humans are animals. And this is what happens in a dystopia. Like they become wild animals. And they become, you know, primordial. They go for violence, control, power. They take what they want. They scavenge what they can. Well, if they need something, you don't just go, hey, can I have it? Yeah, great. I'll exchange this. <laughs> you go, no, f*** you. I'm taking that because I need it. The characters themselves that surround Max have more character than any of the characters that were in the first movie. But some of them still lack. It, it kind of like carries over. So they introduce smaller characters that bring it up, like the gyro man and the feral kid, and even the royal, the warrior princess herself. I don't know her name. <laughs> she didn't have any. It was just warrior woman. Hey, that's what she is. She's a bad bitch, dude. <laughs> I mean that all in the respect. Yes, you did. And the villains are scary. They're violent. They're vicious. They're a pack of wolves. Like, they're menacing. Like, you don't want to mess with them. You want to stay in. So... I applaud Miller for taking what he did in the first one and setting the, I guess the foundation to move up and forward in what he wanted to do. And really it feels like the ultimate Australian movie. 
Like it's an Aust- it, like it doesn't feel like an action movie. It feels like an Australian action movie. Yes. Like it's rough around the edges. It's gritty. It's got dirt, mullets and mohawks and ashless <laughs> chaps and men chained up. Yes. So on top of that, even with the mood in the world, the cars are sick. It has a dialogue. The scenes with the cars, like it's the it's about the characters that are around him, but it's also about the cars and the, the what they use around in the world. It's a whole ecosystem that he's created and it's its own. So for modern critique, once again, story, it doesn't have a whole lot to it. But the action and the explosions and the adventure, you feel it. There's no family on a farm moment. There's not a moment where I go, okay, this needs to pick up the pace. <laughs> it, it's she walks into the woods. She walks into the beach. Really she really walks really out really of the woods. <laughs> this just, you know, they, they hit the gas and then they turn on the Cuban NOS, baby. It goes. <laughs> I was entertained. I never felt a lull. It felt, you know... It felt like a well-rounded action-adventure movie. Yeah. Now, is it the most logical movie? No, but not. there's really not a point where I question the choices in the surrounding. It's only when people ask me questions or like something might pop up after like the 10th watch-through where I go, oh, well, how did that get there? Or well, why was that there? My initial watch is it's just I'm in it. Yeah. I don't really question it. Except for the outfits, girl. So, in a modern critique, is this a great movie? Yes. But does it have its shortcomings? Absolutely. It's from the 80s. You know, some things don't age well. But, for me, this movie is a solid B. It's no A, but it's above average. Yeah. Well, this is... Okay, so, revisiting the list of movies in the Pantheon... Mad Max 2, The Road Warrior, is going to be in the number four slot because of this. Uh, it's behind uh, three diehards, but we finally said goodbye to Die Hard 2. And boy, was it up there for a long <laughs> You had a long time up there, Die Hard 2. But uh, now you're on the bottom of the plate. Uh, you get to hang out with a good day to Die Hard and your little friend Waterworld at the bottom of that whole thing. Uh, but yeah, the... We have two Mad Max movies in the Pantheon now. Now, obviously, from what I've heard about Beyond Thunderdome, (laughs) I have a feeling that those two will still be there next week. Oh, but the movie Planet Killer might have a new friend. That'd be fantastic. Hey. But Fury Road, from what I hear, may push Mad Max out of the Pantheon. Most definitely. I mean, that's what everybody, everybody tells me Fury Road is the best of the four. Have you, you've seen it. No, I've tried to watch it twice and I've tapped out both times. I, know. I think you're going to have a greater appreciation for it now, especially after watching Thunderdome. You know, what's funny is I have a greater appreciation for it. Having had, having had to sit through 79's Mad Max being forced to watch that <laughs> made me enjoy the road warrior. Okay. So maybe having to sit through Beyond Thunderdome will make me enjoy sitting through Fury Road. Yeah. Good. Um, if I was to give myself a range on Fury Road, I predicted it's probably between an A and a B based on what people have told me. Okay. 
Uh, I like to think I've been pretty fair with grading movies higher than I liked them. Uh, So I have yet to give it a not that scale. I have yet to give an A to a movie I I didn't like. But who knows? Uh, Critics hats off. Do you love this movie? Like this movie? Nothing above. I I need some leather bikinis, man. I liked it. Yeah, this movie rips. It's fun. It's gross. It's gritty. It's like I'm taken to Australia. Even though I know Australia is nothing. I say <laughs> most Australian of Australia people, isn't like that. Australian people are like, what the f*** are they talking about? Oh, I know. Wow. <laughs> there, was, there was like, uh, it was a YouTube video. I think it was this Australian guy that stopped a theft or something. And it's the most Australian fucking thing I've ever seen. <laughs> oh my God. Like full on mullet, dude's shirtless. Yeah. It's got like pit vipers on. A machete in his back oh pocket. Oh my God. <laughs> Um, yeah, I liked it. I, I was surprised last night. I was, you know, I'd done the notes a week beforehand and I was like, you know what? I'm going to rewatch it. I didn't do that with Mad Max. I was like, I've seen it once. I'm good. This yeah, one, see? I, I rewatched it and I just watched it just to watch it. Now, again, there were a couple of times when I kind of like, okay, let me check my phone here for a second. Uh, but I watched it all the way through. Yeah. You know, and would I rewatch this again in the future? If it's on TV, I'm not going to turn it off. No. If Feral Kid shows up on my TV, I'll be like, okay, I'm at least watching for you, Chuck. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) That's all the time we got today. Next show, we'll look at Tina Turner's Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome from 1985 for the action-adventure movie Pantheon. You can email the Movie Planet using the address movieplanetpodcast at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the show, subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Podbean and give us a four or five star review. Like us on Facebook, Twitter, and follow our Instagram. The opinions expressed on the Movie Planet podcast are those of the individual hosts. The Movie Planet podcast is not affiliated with, prepared for, approved, or licensed by any entity that created any films discussed or reviewed herein. All movie clips and music included in the podcast are the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders. They are included here for the purpose of review, and no infringement is intended. Sam, any last words? Witness me! <laughs> You're still going with that? Absolutely, it's a part of the dialogue. I don't know, what am I going to say? I you. <laughs> I am the Night Rider! <laughs> what am I going to say? You've disappointed me <laughs> once again. <laughs> here it is. I am gravely disappointed. <laughs> I love that. Which comes into play later as the War Boys. Is that in the third movie? Yeah, uh, Fury Road. Oh, okay. So there's there's a continuation of the gang in another one. I don't know if it's the same gang. It's probably not. It's just the it's the shared dialogue. Okay, like sucking nitro. Yes, chrome versus bronze. Like be chrome, don't be bronze. War dogs, war boys. Okay. So they're using the same vernacular then? Yes. 30 years later. Yeah. That's pretty impressive, George Miller. I like that. Works great. Continuity. Continuity, exactly. (laughs) Thanks for listening and happy movie watching.
Did you ever partake in the mullet growing up? Did I ever? Yes. Oh, fuck yeah. I had a bitchin' mullet when I was like Did five. Did you really? <laughs> yeah, dude. It was like halfway down my back. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Mine was never that long. Mine was... Uh, to the to my neckline. Nice. Yeah, I got I got a couple photos in like cowboy boots, yeah, jeans. Uh, like I think it was a green shirt and just hair. <laughs> oh well, see, here's the thing. I get it. Looks very similar now that I look at him. <laughs> Pharaoh boy did not grow up the same. I mean, he he looks the same, but he looks he's there. He but looks more human. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> looks like a normal adult. Um, and the, <laughs> uh, this shit's so eighties. Um. <laughs> I, I just, um, totally off subject, two announcements. Number one, Clerks 3 trailer comes out Wednesday. I'm aware. I can't wait. Number two was, I just rewatched uh, Apocalypse Now. Which version? Re- Redux. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I feel like he's got as many versions as uh, Ridley Scott as Blade Runners. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I forgot about that cattle scene. What cattle scene? I don't remember. It's when they are sacrificing the water buffalo. Oh. A real cattle. Yes. That's a good movie. That's a movie you got to revisit like once every 10 years. Oh my God. It's so gnarly. (laughs) Yeah. It's a lot. That's a, that's a good war movie. Yeah. But then I go, I go from apocalypse now to (laughs) to (laughs) that. I'm like, what the fuck is my life? There's no cattle in this. Just pigs and chickens. And (laughs) rat. I was like, maybe it's like one of those Sean Penn moments where he's like, as an actor, you kind of just lose who you are, and I, I lost who I was. I don't even know who I am anymore. Yeah, Spicoli. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, dude. <laughs> Mister, <laughs> well, Mr. Han, seeing that this is our time, time. <laughs> I think I should. God, fucking Spicoli. Maybe I will have a piece of pizza, Mr. Spicoli, since it's our time. <laughs> Righteous. I, God, I, similar. Like good friends in San Francisco, like they have modeled their life after Spicoli. <laughs> they're almost thirty, like they're almost thirty years old, and they are Spicoli. I mean, he's an archetype for a reason. Yeah, it, it's not a, it's not an exaggeration. There are people like Spicoli. Oh yeah, yeah, big waves, hot babes, surf, <laughs> surfer pizza. Oh, you haven't watched Stranger Things yet? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay, sorry, we, yeah. Yeah, I'm here, my dude. I'm here to use your freezer, my dude. My dude. I'm not going to lie, because I watched that yesterday. Uh, we were recording this on July 2nd. Uh, I watched it yesterday, and I thought of you immediately at what part in that show? What part do you think I thought Sam is going to love this? Metallica? Yes. Master of Puppets. Dude, no, um, I, I did. I, as, soon as, <laughs> as soon as he started playing the opening rift, I, I shit you not, this is me enacting exactly what fucking happened. Master! <laughs> yeah! When he got up on the thing, I was like, okay, he's going to play like Eddie Van Halen, something like that. And no. we heard that. Dun, 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 dun. And I was like, <laughs> no. And I thought, Sam's going to love yeah. this. <laughs> it's like, I almost wish they did battery instead, but I, master of puppets works so well. It was an, it was the perfect song for the moment. Yeah. I was, did he have a stereo out there playing the song with him? No, he just had his amp. Okay. Then I shouldn't have heard any drums. 
It's it's a music <laughs> with the movie. He's causing noise. He's causing a distraction. I was surprised he didn't play Kate Bush. <laughs> okay, I have I have a, I have opinions about the last two episodes. Number one, yes. I don't. Number number one is it felt like a money grab, and not in content sake, but in it was unnecessary to have that as a part two. I didn't like part one was so massive. It just felt like, Oh, well, we're just not going to give you the last episode. We're just going to break Netflix in a couple months when we release the second part, which is just two episodes. It but didn't one, feel one, like the first part. The first episode was like an hour long. And the second one was like two hours and 20 minutes. Wasn't it? Yeah. Almost three hours. Yeah. And so like, I, I don't know. I didn't feel like it was like the big part two that they were hyping it up to be. And how could they with fucking two episodes that were five hours, you know, in total, but Kate Bush is ruining these moments. I so tired of Kate Bush at this point. Yeah. My brother played in the car again. I just just pushed the power button. I'm like, it's a bad song. Yeah. It's not great. You're like when he got, which where did he get the fucking sword from? I, I, I don't know. I don't know where that came from. He brought out a He-Man sword in the fortress in Russia. Yeah. And I went, what the fuck is that doing there? Where did he even fucking come from? <laughs> but it was, I was like, okay, cool, whatever. I don't care. Like, cool. You're about to chop a fucking, you know, Demogorgon. Demogorgon's head off. Yeah. Um, but it just had the fucking Kate Bush song in the background. I was like, do not make this a theme song. It's a theme song. But I will say this, as much as I hated the money grab of it, that Netflix did with releasing it a month later, yeah. they were smart to do that. Because they know people right now are dropping every service possible. And if they'd released this with Stranger Things, they would have had a month of massive losses. Yeah, true. But they did it a whole month later and were like, we'll hold on to people streaming for one more month here before going into August. And uh in that regard. So I'm wondering if it was Netflix's choice or the director's choice. I bet it was Netflix's choice. Okay. So then I don't dock the brothers for that. I dot that for Netflix. Yeah. I, bet I it was, get it. I bet it was Netflix, but I also think the Duffer brothers were smart to partner all those together into two hours and 20 minutes or one hour and 15, whatever it was, because there was no part in, in any of those two episodes, you could have legitimately stopped it on no. as a cliffhanger because it just flowed through all the way. Yeah. And I really appreciate Netflix giving creators the ability to yeah. do those and take the time to make, you know, if it has to be three hours, it has to be three hours. Right. And I don't care. I'll fucking watch it. If it's, Here's my money. If you're not wasting my time, I'll watch it. Yeah. You know, um, spoiler alert. That being said, I can't believe they fucking did that to Max. I for sure thought something was going to happen. I can't believe like, fuck it. That poor fucking girl. Well, okay. So when that happened to Max, I thought, okay, this is where we're going to end the episode. And I looked and there were 34 minutes left. And I went, the fuck else is there to do? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And I'm interested because they said the next series is 10 years in advance. Yeah. Which means that that's all been going on in the town for 10 years. So it's the upside safe down. Safe to say the upside is down is going to be the world. There has been an incursion. 
Multiverse sure. Incursion. Yes. Thank you very much, Doctor Strange, for explaining that. Whereas everything all at once would have muddled, muddled it. <laughs> I'm about to throw my fucking laptop <laughs> at your head. <laughs> Don't you dare. Ray flashes. That's what you got. <laughs> Me, I got brains. <laughs> this is all I heard out of your mouth. Scepter. Yes. The last of the V8s. Yeah. Clear, clearly, before this dystopian future, they hadn't gotten down their green energy deal for all those electric cars. <laughs> no, they didn't have anybody to worry about that. It's yeah. There's there's bigger problems here. Uh, that's larger problems. Trying not to get raped and murdered. <laughs> that is one big pile of shit. The gyrocopter follows in next. That needs a snap at after it. <laughs> Um, Did Warrior Girl kill Black Noir on that school bus? <laughs> Have you been? Are you all caught up? I am all caught up. Yeah, I'm all. Where caught up. the fuck is this going? Um, I'm so happy. Jensen Ackles is Soldier Boy. Yeah, oh my god, perfect cast. Yes. Um, first of all, we haven't talked since Hero Gasm. <laughs> <laughs> I, was this the I look? I, this was this might have been the first episode I noticed it, but I don't remember ever seeing a disclaimer before the boys came on. It was at the beginning of the last one. Okay, so yeah. this is the beginning of the disclaimers. Yes, because the the last one is when you first see Deep getting a blowy from an octopus. <laughs> Dude, the- <laughs> orgasm I- is worth the price of admission alone. <laughs> yes, completely. But the, f- oh my God, he keeps fucking that octopus. <laughs> What's and then the tries doc- to bring it, it a name? In- yeah, it starts with an A. <laughs> I don't remember. Oh my God, it's just so sick. She has feelings. She has feelings. It's like, oh, 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 she goes, I don't want to have sex with it. She, watch the pronouns. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Like, Dude, you're getting your dick sucked from a fucking octopus. Oh, and if you've ever seen an octopus's mouth, it's ah! a beak. It's a beak. <laughs> as long as she doesn't, you know, bite. It's still a sharp. Oh, well, yeah, but as long as she doesn't. Um, the fact that she's laying there as it was happening and then just finally, and then you see the tentacle hit her and she kind of goes, nope, no, no, I'm no, 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 no. <laughs> oh my, like, yeah, they've, they have, they've set a new bar <laughs> and I love it. Uh, but my point was seeing Noir's backstory through his mind. Oh, yes. The and, cartoon characters. Yes. And I, if anybody's a, a Team Fortress 2 fan, mm-hmm. there's a very similar character. It's the Pyro. And, you you know, each story, each character in that game has a backstory. His is... He's a fireman spraying water on happy cartoon plants. Okay. But in reality, he's burning people alive with a flamethrower. <laughs> but in his head, he's in 
black noirs like ever all the animals and yes. the flowers and smiles and he's like yay i'm fat i'm feeding all the plants with life um but the fact that this is main narrator and that his head is a stutter did you see the end stinger end stinger after the credits i didn't there i didn't there was no there was something at the very end of the credits at the very end of all the credits they had a stage oh, and all the tar- cartoon characters come out and they do one big bow. <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> okay. Cause I fast forward to the end. And I didn't see anything. Yeah. Okay. It got, you get to the Georgia logo and all that stuff. And then after that's done stage cartoon characters take a bow and then they leave. <laughs> <laughs> They've done the deep so dirty in that show, but I love every second of it. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. And the actor of the deep is like, yeah, dude, get, let's get weird. Like, I'm so happy he's such a champ. Yeah. Like, uh, it might ruin his career, but fuck, he's such a horrible person, but a great character. But finding out that Soldier Boy is Homelander's father, I'm like, I, I this is going to go down as one of my top 10 shows of all time, I think. It's <laughs> so good. Um, <clears throat> and seeing what actually happened in Nicaragua and how much of a... Well, that, but also how much of a motherfucker hope, like, um, soldier, soldier boy. boy is. Yeah. Like <laughs> how much of a motherfucker? Cause he's a motherfucker, but he's how a, much of a motherfucker is he? Like when he goes to Hugh and he goes, you know, you weren't there when I stormed the beaches in Normandy. And he's like, you weren't either. <laughs> and then fucking wow. I was like, dude, that's some, that's some grandpa that served in world war two shit. I didn't realize this also. The the Countess of Crimson, whatever her name was, I didn't know that that was Lori from The Walking Dead. I don't know. I don't watch The Walking Dead. It was in the first three or four seasons. She was one of the characters in The Walking Dead. The blonde Dead. mom or something? The blonde, yeah, the blonde. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, uh, that's cool. She's the one that ends up sleeping with the governor. And kills her. Okay. So, yeah. well, now you know, everybody. Yeah. So, um, um, he probably took him to bed, too. <laughs> Found Lemmy like, Winks. Don't you disobey me again. Let's go. <laughs> I am humongous. Right? Yes, humongous you are. Oh, God. I mean, you're adequate. <laughs> the school bus and the other vehicles quietly Thank leave God the- you do steroids. <laughs> or this would suck. You won't get as large a load, I promise. <laughs> Just as Papa Gallo has predicted, <laughs> that came out wrong. <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs>